This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The person you are destined to become is the one you choose to be. Chris was 10 years old. He had no good looks, a loving family, or a bright future. While he wasn't able to create a life for himself, he did have the love of Danielle, who was the most beautiful girl he had ever known. He moved to Michigan with his mother to escape his abusive father. He was only able to leave Danielle with half of a heart-shaped pendant and a promise to one day return. To have any chance of getting her back, He had to end over 100 years of abuse in his family, something his family claimed he was destined to carry on. Destiny Lives on Fairhaven Street is a touching, multi-award-winning memoir from author C.J. Hudson of his eight-year journey of preparation to return to the love of his life. Written to his two sons, his story is a testament to the power of devotion and proof that the life you've always wanted is possible if you never give up. Valeria interviews C.J. Hudson, the author of Destiny Lives on Fairhaven Street. With a shaved head and a salt and pepper beard stacked atop a barrel-chested frame, C.J. Hudson is a well-disguised, hopeless romantic. One would not see him as the type of person expected to do something, as bold as remain celibate his entire young adulthood for his first love. One would not confuse him for a man who would return to her to win her back. Yet, that is exactly what the driven, disabled Navy veteran did. Residing in Pflugerville, Texas, he enjoys the result of his journey in the form of a successful marriage and twin sons. Meet CJ at thefairhavenseries.com. Here's the interview with CJ Hudson. In your own words, who is CJ Hudson? I am a married father of two boys, and I'm also an author. Actually, uh, just just won my eleventh award. So um, all the awards went towards my my debut no- novel titled "Destiny Lives on Fairhaven Street." By you saying that, I have to ask you the question that I wanted to ask later. One, how did you become a writer? Well, it was something that I just kind of had ingrained in me as a kid. Uh, my mother, when she was alive, she would tell me that when I was six, I actually you know, wrote a, my first book and we had it quote unquote published, which basically just meant they, they bound it and made it try to make it look like an actual book. It was just a, a book about a, a tree frog living in Africa. I was trying to make, he was lonely, so he's trying to make friends. It was just something that I always had a knack for communication. It was something that, that was just, as I mentioned before, was kind of just ingrained in me. Yeah. Uh, and, and like with most writers, you just started working on it. And before you know, it just started flowing naturally. Do you believe that's something that we um, carry from different lifetimes? 
or we're just born with it? Well, it's it's I think it's it's I think it's genetic also because my mother, for example, she was uh, a very very uh, amateur uh, writer. Uh, in fact, before she died, I actually found some of the um, the manuscripts she was working on. I uh, never never was finished. Um, so it was you know it's something you pass down to your children. It's just some people just have this this way with words. Regarding that first idea that I just came to me, this talent being passed from different lifetimes, is that something that you believe in? I do. I do. I actually, you know, I, I believe it's just something that it's either a part of you or it's not. Uh, and, and if it's a part of you, I don't think it ever really, really truly leaves you. What is your spiritual practices, CJ? What is your spiritual belief systems? Do you have them? Of course, in your book, you mentioned God, faith, trust. So what are your practices on a daily basis, spiritual practices? Well, my, 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 my wife and I are, are Episcopalians. Uh, we, we try to attend church as much as we can. Uh, I've had a, you know, rather shaky, you know, like most people, I've had a rather shaky uh, relationship with God over the years, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still relatively intact. But yeah, primarily we're, we're semi-practicing Episcopalians. For now, I'll ask you some more open questions. So then we'll talk more about the book, uh, Destiny Lives on Fairhaven Street. I love the title, and especially that word, Destiny. And with that in mind, I'll be asking you open questions that include that idea. What is the difference between destiny, fate, uh, coincidence, purpose, prophecy? I think it all... I think it all has to do with the idea of it being preordained or being pre well predestined essentially. Right. Uh, just the idea that it's it's something that was was written in, in into existence before you realized it was. Mm. Um, whereas you know it's what's interesting about the book is that it it challenges the idea of destiny being something that you know is is pre written um, because you know. In the book, my my parents had always told me that I was destined to. Uh, we 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 came from a very long line of of uh, abusive people. Uh, you know, for example, you know the, the men in, in my family were were notorious for beating their wives. It had been happening for over a hundred years. Uh, so the idea, especially with my mom, was that I was kind of destined to to do that, to to repeat that. Um, so. But once I met Danielle, the girl next door, she kind of introduced the idea that, well, no, it's not true. You're not going to be like your father. You're not going to be like that at all. Uh, and so she she challenged that ideal. Uh, and really, you know, she probably didn't realize she was doing it. But even at 10 years old, she was basically showing me that, you know, I was in control of whatever my destiny would would become. So I think what it is, is it's almost like a... Um, it's almost like a wind-up toy. You wind it up and it goes forward and where it goes kind of depends on, you know, which way you direct it. So, but it's not something that, you know, it almost seems like destiny is this idea that if I wind it up and I put it down, wherever it ends up is where I, where I was supposed to be. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. Right. So, but to me, that, that that's what it is. It's just the idea of it, of it being something you cannot control. It's just how it is. And you just need to kind of kick back and, and accept it. You write something that's very powerful. <clears throat> you say you are the deciding factor 
on your own fate. Inevitability is only set in stone as the person allows. It's kind of repeating what you said, but using your own words here too. It's interesting to hear that we have a choice. It's like having choice. That's what I see. And I have heard that we only have two choices, really. Everything that we do in life, they come fundamentally from these two kind of essential grounds or spaces, and they are love and fear. So I do see that um, legacy of abuse and violence being passed on as fear and then the destiny that you chose is the life that you chose to live. It's grounded in love. That's what it came across to me, which is really, truly beautiful. And with that in mind, CJ, what is your idea of love? How do you define what love is? To me, love is complete acceptance of who a person is. Uh, And the idea that, that that acceptance is unconditional. So and that and that was something that I've I've learned over the years of many many years of experience, uh, heartache, disappointment, uh, you know, that that kind of thing. To me, to me, that's what it is. It's just the idea of just despite all their flaws, despite their shortcomings, they're still accepted and well loved by you, no matter what. I was just saying the idea that you know. In my case with the book, what I was doing was I was trying to show this girl who who I fell in love with and who also fell in love with me this idea that down the line, I, I mean, I made a promise to her, but down the line, I was going to show her that not only was I keeping my promise, but more importantly, that I was telling her, look, you are worth it. You are worth sacrificing for then. You are worth sacrificing for now. And I wanted to do something that that to my knowledge, no man had ever done before uh, because it was to me, this, this, this girl who eventually became a woman was such high quality that I want that she needed something that would go above and beyond anything that any man had ever done before. That is really, really beautiful. And, and that's what we need to see more in the world. People validating, kind of see appreciating other human beings for what they are and showing them that they are worth it. That's how I navigate in my relationships as well, not just with my husband, but everyone around me. I'm always trying to kind of see something and then just show them, do something to show them that they are worth it, whatever that is, or however I can do that. It's truly beautiful. I know you went, I'll I'll be asking you a question in a moment about the story, but yeah, you went above and beyond and you did things that, yeah, I never heard of too. So another open question for you is, what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here? Well, I think we're here to improve and evolve. Um, be, and, and the reason why I think that is because that's the belief I've, I've had since I was a kid regarding my family. Um, the idea that one generation should make it better for the next generation and so on and so forth because there has to be improvement or else what's the point of existing if you're constantly the same way there's never any growth there's never any there's never any betterment then what is the point of going through life so and that's the idea of you know 
when my mother would tell me that you're destined to do this, it's like, why, what, why am I destined to do this? What exactly is it? You know, you don't have a crystal ball. Why are you thinking this? Is it simply because all the other men before have done it? And this is just how it's going to be. Um, but you know, so what that did was, was my mother and I unfortunately put a wedge between us. Um, and I looked at Danielle and I'm like, well, I want my future to be with you. Because, you know, you, you always believed in me. You always, you know, loved me. So this is, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to win you back. Um, and so to me, that, that, that's what it's all about. It's just this constant need for improvement. And that's what I wanted to do, not only with my family, but also with my, my personal relationships. Um, because to me, that, that's, that's so important. If you don't grow, what's the point? Another question I often ask here to my guests, and I'll ask you too, what makes, some people, what drives some people like yourself to go this far to grow and evolve and to change a legacy that was so powerfully reinforced before and some other, some other people choosing not to do that. What drives some of us to do what you did and some people, not what you did, but something similar, be with this frame, this mindset of changing and, and growing and evolving and some of us don't. Have you thought about it? What makes one person so much more different than others? I I think it all comes down to one thing that I have I have said since I started writing it, and it really started, you know, gathering eyes. I guess you could say. And I, what I've what I've always said is that not everybody's going to understand what I did. Not everybody's going to understand my motives. Not everybody's going to agree with my motives, especially you know with, with the ending and everything. What it comes down to, I believe, is pure love. And what I mean by pure love, I'm talking about the type of love that will last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, even though, you know, even if you haven't seen the person or, you know, you don't really keep in touch with, excuse me, if you don't keep in touch with the person or you're with the person or whatever the case may be, you know, it's like you never stop loving that person. In fact, not only do you, do you never not stop, excuse me. Not only do you never stop loving the person, but the love you feel for that person grows. It actually grows year by year. Uh, and, and, you know, people, people call that true love. People call it pure love. It just depends on, on your take on the whole thing. But that to me is really what it comes down to because for those, and I've said this before in other interviews, it's like for those that were quote unquote bitten by the bug, and by the bug, I mean that they've, they've actually experienced that kind of love. It, you can do anything. Like it, it will make you do anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how hard it is or how long the journey is. It's like, you're going to do it. I mean, I went for eight years without dating a single person, right? you know, in, in the most prominent years of an individual's life when they should be dating, I chose not to because it, I was determined that I wanted to be, with, I knew this person, I wanted to be with this person. I was going to do whatever it took to be with this person. And people would look at me like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? You know, how do you even know this is the right person for you? It's like, I just know. It's just, it's just how it is. So to me, I, I think pure love is, is the driving factor to, that will cause people to do things that are really extraordinary. Yeah, that's something that I truly believe in, love, of course. So that's the choice coming from that place of love. It's beautiful, though, and and gives us also a sense of purpose. That's what I see in you. There's a strong sense of purpose and a sense of helping others to uncover 
that space of love that they can come from. Do you teach this? I know you have twin sons. How old are they now, CJ, your sons? They're five. Do you talk to them about these things? <laughs> I'm wondering if you are already teaching them. <laughs> a, a little bit. You know, it, it's right now we're, it's, it's pretty uh, spied, you know, be nice to others, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and you know, I've discussed this with my wife at great depth where, you know, we talked about the idea that what happened with me was that I was forced to part from my first love. And, and what I want for my boys is I want to have it to where they get their first love. I'm not touching it. I'm not, I'm not going to interfere with it. I'm not going to do anything with it because I'm just going to let it play itself out naturally. Um, because they have to have that experience because what you'll find is that, that, that pure love and, and, and first love is pure love. Um, it's the purest of all because it's your first experience with it. Uh, but when you have that pure love and it ends abruptly in a way that's, that's unresolved, it, it will carry on throughout the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. What about Danielle? Um, I would love to interview her. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Was she surprised that you wrote the book? Well, it's, uh, the, the funny thing is, is she doesn't even, so it's, it's without giving too much away. She, she doesn't even know it's something that's, that's a surprise. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I want her to, to experience, you know, through my, my goal. And it's actually something I wrote at the ending of the book. It's like, my goal is to have it to where she suddenly re realizes it, you know, she sees it and she's reading it for the first time. To me, that is so essential because then, you know, the person will finally truly know how you feel. Um, And it was something that for me is so important because the, the original intention for the book was to be the grand gesture, um, or as I put it, the, the, the grandest of gestures, because it was something that, you know, not only, you know, obviously what I did was very, you know, out of the ordinary, but to write about it and to actually, you know, as a man to expose myself to possible ridicule. And I have gotten some ridicule for this book. Um, because you know according to a lot of a lot of quote-unquote men out there you're not supposed to be doing such things you're not supposed to be exposing yourself you're not supposed to be convincing how much you love somebody you know because it's not the manly thing to do uh so for me it's it's so important that you know she get to experience that i i i wish i could be a fly on the wall mm -hmm. yeah when that time comes because it's going to be so amazing for her i think That is incredible. So you're just going to let this happen naturally as well? Or at some point, do you plan to tell her? I'm, I'm just going to let it happen naturally. Her sister knows about it and her mom knows about it. Okay. And nobody will tell, of course. I would be, I would be shocked if they do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know you trust them. So that is wonderful. I know I would love to interview her once she knows, of course, <laughs> please let me know Right. once she knows about it. That would be beautiful. Talk to me. I think that's a good moment to talk to me about the story in the book for the audience. Of course, we don't want to know everything because if we do, then we won't read the book. What can you share about the book just to incite some curiosity? What else? I know we've been talking actually about it. Right. I mean, as far as what I can share about the book, it's, as I said before, it, it, it it's funny because part of the marketing campaign I was doing for it, it had a blurb that I, I came up with where it said it, it started as the grandest of gestures and ended up being so much more. 
So, and, and, you know, it's, and this was something that my editor and I had been working on too, because as we, we constructed the book, we created it. It was something that, you know, we both wanted to really emphasize that the love story is important. It's important to have the love story, but as, as my editor put it, you could go without the love story and it would still be just as good. Um, so it's, it's so much more than just a love story. It's the idea that, you know, it's that love is the most powerful force in existence. We talk about it and we read about it. It's kind of hokey and cheesy and everything, but it is true because it's the one force in the universe in, in existence, period, that will cause a person to actually improve you know we, we keep hearing about how well you know love can destroy a, a man it can you know do this and do that you know all these negative things but the truth is i believe it can also really build a man to become the absolute best that he can be and that's what the book is about this idea that a hundred years of something happening where people who have tried to end it before failed over and over again but what happened was it took a 10 year old girl to finally do it. And as I, as I stated in the book, it came down to a tug of war between two grown adults being my parents and this 10 year old girl over me, over what would happen with me. And the ironic thing is that the 10 year old girl won. And, and that, that to me is the most point, one of the most poignant parts of the book. I love the message because that's one that I truly believe in. Love can can change anything. It's that powerful. I know a lot of times in your right, we do think about romantic love. And then um, we have so many stories of people who have done actually quite the opposite. They went on the destructive path, the love relationship not working, and then they become depressed. And then some of them <clears throat> have done some horrible things. But that's the thing in life. I love following the signs and especially the heart and doing what's good for me, beneficial for me, for this body, and then for somebody else next to me, my family, and then the community, and then the world if, if we get there. So that's what I, my idea of love. It's expanding this feeling of community, of connection within, and then passing that on. And that's what I hear from you too, that you are able to listen to the voice of the heart by being inspired by Danielle when she was 10 years old. That is incredible that you're able to kind of make that distinction. You're, you're able to see clearly who was in the right direction, per se, in the sense of getting to this place that you are today of harmony and clarity. So your parents were not, but she was. So that is really remarkable to see, which is not, it's not a surprise, really, because I know that children, they are so open, the heart is open, so they are able to see the truth before most of us get there because they're so open. Well, and, and that was something that was something that you know it was was one of the main points of the book, especially to, at the end where we're reunited. Um, the fact that you know the whole point of it, aside from telling her that I love her, was me popping up on her front door and showing her is like, look, you were right about me all along. And now I'm yours and I've always been yours. And, and that's exactly how, you know, how the book ends. I show up and, and, you know, ta-da, here you go. I think the way I put it in the book was that <laughs> it, was, it was an investment that she had no idea that she had made that was about to pay off for her. 
Are you thinking about a movie? <laughs> Because this will make a beautiful movie. <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> There's something that you write that I love. I have here. You say, let my life remind you of the most important lesson that I can teach you. The man each of you is destined to become is the one you choose to be. So that goes back to the idea of choice, that we can choose one way, being one way or another, and that becomes your destiny. And I do, I assign, I prescribe to this, I really subscribe to this idea these days. For a long time, I did not believe in choice. I thought we we're just here to do what divine force was driving us to do. So God was directing us. So we had no saying, but now I see that love is what we are here for. It is the choice. It has been always a choice we can make. Exactly. And, and, that's, and you see that so much nowadays with, you know, and, and the unfortunate things that are happening in the world today is like so many people try to blame their past and, oh, that's because of, I was, you know, subject to this in childhood and that and whatnot. I'm, I'm a, I'm a product of my environment and everything else. And, and the biggest point I wanted to convey with, with what I wrote was that, well, you have a choice. You always have a choice. You don't see it as a sacrifice anymore, do you, CJ, or do you still think in that way? Not, not at all. I don't. I mean, well, I mean, it, it, it was a sacrifice, but but to me, it was a sacrifice that was is still worth it just as much as it was back then. Uh, but it's not sacrifice, is it? When we do something from the heart, and then it's the name of love. It's not a sacrifice. It's just um, going through what we need to go through. In the name of what we believe in, we trust, isn't it? Yeah. It's not really a sacrifice. One, 100% agree. Another topic, because you mentioned earlier the idea of masculinity. We have so many belief systems, too, in every culture, not just the United States, what a man should be like and act like, and also for women. Um, is that something that you actually thought about it in your life? Have you ever kind of behaved in a way that was supposed to be masculine rather than just being yourself? I think, I think every man's been through that. Um, you you kind of get the, that macho moment going on. Um, you know, it's, it's what I, what I'm teaching my boys is that manhood is, is like, <laughs> this is actually going to mm. fall, <laughs> fall in a few deaf ears for some of our younger folks. But, uh, you know, being a man is, is like driving a manual, transmission on a car um where it's like each each gear is a reaction depending on what is happening to you uh and that if you get stuck in one gear that's when you start being macho or or you know macho all the time that kind of thing uh it starts being inappropriate because you know different circumstances in life required you know certain reactions and that being a man is about being able to shift between those and knowing, okay, this is happening. It's okay for me to be a certain way. Or sometimes even when the situation calls for the opposite, that sometimes it's okay to be that opposite. And, and to me, that's, that's so vital because, you know, you don't want to be a one dimensional man because then you're not really a man. You should be able to show emotion, but at the same time, be able to flip that switch at a moment's notice Uh, and, and really be able to, you know, the way I can explain it is you could be crying one minute and then defending your family to the death in the, in the next. Right. Uh -huh. And that is so important. And it's something I'm trying to show my boys where it's, it's, I've seen so many quote unquote men over the years who get stuck in one gear and they have to, you know, be, be 
proud all the time and they have to thump their chest at every single thing. And it's, it's there's no reason for that. There's no reason to be like that. Um, and to me, that's, that's so important to be able to show them to have that flexibility in their life. It just, it, to me, it leads to more, it leads to happiness. It leads to more, more fulfillment in one's life. I love that wisdom. Uh, well said, beautifully expressed. I know I don't want to share much about the story. It's really beautiful. I love the cover too, with the hearts, the two sides coming together, the half and half, <laughs> which is a, I know it's part of, it's real. It really happened. So what else can you share with us, CJ, yeah, that you feel like sharing this time? Well, um, I can share one chapter, for example. Uh, this is one thing I also posted on my Facebook page as well. There is a chapter where uh, I actually, uh, what happened was, is that throughout the, throughout the beginning of the book, I was basically ugly. Um, women didn't really want anything to do with me. Danielle was the only one that actually saw me for who it really was. Um, so what it happened, happened was is that i think this was about a little past the halfway point in the eight years i was apart from her where i changed my looks uh, i had a complete makeover and suddenly women started noticing me so and what happened was it led to me basically having two girls that like me um so and that, that led to a little bit of a tug of war uh not only between you know which which uh which girl do you like or you know, between that and the idea, okay, well, what about Danielle? Um, but anyway, the chapter I'm referring to is when I actually go, I actually go to Paris as part of the, the school's French club, the school is going to. And what happened was, is that we, uh, we had originally planned to fly from, from Detroit to New York and then fly, fly over to Paris. But we changed our itineraries at the last minute. We ended up flying directly from Detroit to Paris. And the reason why this is significant is because once we got there, this is back in 1996, when we got there, we realized that the flight we were supposed to connect with, who, by the way, had another school that was on board, they were, they were going to be touring with us. That other flight turned out to be TWA Flight 800, the one that exploded in midair. Um, and so we were originally supposed to be on that flight. So, and I had part of what you were talking about earlier when I talk about God was that, you know, I was telling asking guys like, well, do you, am I meant to be with this woman? It's like, this is really, really hard. Um, you know, show me something that, that, that shows that, you know, that I'm meant to return to her while I was spared from TWA flight 800. Uh, and so what happened was, is I ended up on top of the Eiffel tower and this is where the chapter ends where it's like, I make that decision. You're going to, are you going to finally date, you know, because the idea was that it's okay to date. It's you're expected to date. You're supposed to date be because you're young, you're supposed to have experience before you go back to her and you know, but you know more of what you want and everything else. But at the same time, it's like, I love this girl and I don't want to be with anyone else but this girl. So the chapter ends with the idea that, okay, I made a decision and I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to, I'm going to continue not dating and I'm just going to, I'm going to get back to her no matter what. And that was the idea that, you know, part of, you know, destiny was that I was going to return to her. And as, and as it turned out, I, I would about two years later. Now you really got me thinking about the movie thing. <laughs> like it really sounds like a movie. <laughs> really, really yeah. sounds like something out of a movie. And it's not. Wow. What is not to love about you, the story, the way you followed your heart, Danielle with the first kind of inspiration 
inspiration, being the inspiration for, for everything. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of picturing her now, not even knowing that she was, because I love when you talk about God and that destiny that show me the signs, because that's how it works a lot of times. We want to see signs. And, and sure enough, if we ask, something will happen and we'll see those signs. And that's in your case. So that means that you had a lot of trust and faith in the spiritual world. Thank you so much, CJ, for being you, for trusting your heart. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see. Do we like to read a section, a, a passage from your book? Uh, sure. Uh, let me see here. Any passage. So this was originally one of the chapters. This is actually the chapter where it was the last time I saw her. I didn't wake her because I knew neither of us could handle any more goodbyes. Looking back at her one last time, peacefully asleep in front of the television, I imagined exactly what I would say next when I saw her again. I would tell her the story of how I fell in love with the most beautiful girl next door when I was just a boy and return to her, a man who had been faithful throughout our years apart with one simple request, give us one more chance. I closed the front door to her house and crossed Fairhaven Street for the last time and she disappeared from view and was gone. My love, my best friend, my destiny. Yes, I remember this passage. It's beautiful. Thank you so much again. I love your presence in our world, in our reality. We do need to see more human beings like yourself. So Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's truly beautiful. What is the world's greatest need at this time, CJ? Complete acceptance. Unconditional acceptance. To me, that's the most important thing the world needs right now, because I think that's what's sorely missing in everything we do. Yes, right. So true. That surrender, that uh, becoming lighter, right, more playful. I absolutely agree. Accepting destiny, that's another thing when we think about the spiritual realm and um, where life's trying to take us. And there's so much resistance, which is the opposite of acceptance and love, which is fear. So thank you for saying that because it resonates totally with my heart. And before we <laughs> say goodbye for today, I want to thank you again for your presence, for the work that you're doing. And I did know that Danielle doesn't know about this. <laughs> so that's even more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I have deep appreciation again for what you do and how you're doing. It's, it's truly, truly beautiful and spiritual. But before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about your book? Besides Amazon, is there any other way? I, my website is https colon forward slash forward slash the Fairhaven series. That's all one word dot com. Yes, and I do have the link. I'll have that on your podcast profile when it's live. Thank you so much again, CJ, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn more about C.J. Hudson and his work, please visit thefairhavenseries.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>